We read the scripture as to not forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read together. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Well, good morning, everyone. Good, that's why you guys are a little more responsive than the early, the early class, I almost said early class. I used to teach, so, and which is also true, the earlier classes are a little sleepier, but hey, look into your neighbor and say, it's a good day. Now see, now, now that way I don't believe any of you, you need to say that again. Look to your neighbor, say, it's a good day. All right, there you go. That's, that's better. Well, I want to welcome you to Faith Church. Uh, if you're in the building, if you're online, I uh, want to say hello and good morning. Uh, my name's Clayton, and I have the honor of serving on the pastoral team here at Faith Church. Uh, this is my beautiful wife over there. You want to wave? I don't know. Online probably can't see her, so you'll just have to take my word for it. Um, but we, uh, we are in a collection of messages uh, that we just started last Sunday called the practice of obedience. So, uh, so I get to speak this week on the on a similar topic. Uh, our pastor's out of town, and so uh, so be praying for him. He is um, he should, he'll be back in town next week, and uh, so it it'll be great. So he started this collection with the idea of where the source of our obedience comes from, and the source of our obedience comes from the of salvation when we pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God, when we pledge allegiance to Jesus, our Savior, then we, we align ourselves with a set of ideas that we want to come into agreement with or come into obedience. So, uh, so uh, last week or a couple weeks ago when pastor asked me, hey, would you, I need you to speak. Um, I said, uh, I said, what's the collection? He said, it's a collection on practice of obedience. And he said, so I said, I was thinking to myself, so you want me to tell a bunch of adults that they need to obey? I was like, awesome. That sounds fantastic. So I don't know if, uh, if any one of you, when, when I first heard this idea of practice of obedience, like when somebody tells you you need to obey, I, you don't have to raise your hand. You can if you want, but does that trigger anybody? Like, like I'm, a, I'm an adult. Who, you don't tell me, you know what I mean? Like there's kind of that idea like, who are you to, you know, anyway, so, so I was real excited, uh, let me tell you, when I got this topic, but, but actually we are, as I studied and I transi- transitioned into this, there is some richness, and I hope that, uh, that we can explore today. So the, the title or, of the message is Strength in Obedience, or Strength of Obedience, because when we move from understanding the what we need to do to why we need to do it, it changes everything, right? So, um, because sometimes in our, our, this idea of obedience, we think about obedience equals submission all the time. And that is not always true. Now, now if you have little kids running around at home, obedience probably does equal submission, right? Because we don't have time to explain to, you know, you know our three-year-old, and nor would they even understand because we do try to explain probably more than we should, at least I do. And, uh, and so sometimes this idea of we start with submission, 
but then we hopefully grow into agreement, and we're going to, to look at, at that today. So, um, so as we look at this, so let's go back to the beginning. So, so I want to think about uh, when we were younger. Think about the days of Little League. Did anybody play Little League, have attended a Little League, coached a Little League, anybody out there? Okay, good. Lots of hands, lots of like nodding, so you all know and understand what a five-year-old Little League game looks like, and I use the term game loosely, right? Okay, so generally, uh, so I have, I have three boys and a baby girl, and one of our boys just started Little League. We just finished up soccer, so I was just new to this experience, all right? So you go to the game, and it's sort of this mob kind of running around a ball, and they, I don't know that they actually fully know that they are in a game. They're just playing. So, um, so for us as believers, when it comes to obedience, this is the first frame that I kind of want to talk about is that we are in a game, okay? So the game starts with salvation, right? So that is our entry card into the game. Now, this is a cosmic game of good and evil, of angels and demons and like eternal stakes. And I know that's dramatic, but it's in the Bible, so I get to say it. I do like a little drama, I'm not going to lie. All right? So this is, now I'm going to make a statement that might be painfully obvious, but, um, but we forget it a lot. And this is the statement. Eternity is real. And it's easy to forget that because we mostly interact with the physical. We come to church, we worship, we sing, we pray, but then we still mostly, unless we have trained ourselves, and that's a little bit later, we mostly interact with the physical. We sort of have to. We have to eat. We've got to, you know, drive. We've got to do things. So it's easy to forget that eternity is real. I was a youth pastor for about seven years uh, a long time ago, and one of the things that I tried to constantly remind them is when you make a decision to follow Jesus, that you step into a new kingdom. You step into a new reality. But a lot of times what they wanted to do is stay in this reality, but they wanted to focus on what they had to give up versus what they were receiving. Okay? And they saw this is a bunch of restrictions and rules. They couldn't do this anymore because they didn't have a vision for what this was supposed to be. Okay? So that's what, part of what we're going to explore. All right? So we want to remember that we are in a game, and this game has eternal stakes. Okay, that's the first point, is the game. All right, so Psalms 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We need to be reminded that we have a limited lifespan. James 4.14 says, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I like to think about that when I was in college. And I'm like, God, what's the test? I mean, I'm going to be gone tomorrow. You know, I was like, kind of use that probably out of context. But uh, <laughs> we need to remember that our time on this planet is limited. And, and, and don't you know, you see this in movies and, and music. Like we, outside of Jesus, are often trying to beat eternity. We see this in movies. We see our consciousness trying to put in avatars or... Um, uh, or even in, like today, there is a tech company that is trying to figure out how to put our consciousness into a computer. 
That's not science fiction movies anymore. There are companies that are trying to do that. We are trying to outgame God at his own game. And it's not going to work. The greatest lie of the enemy is to convince us that there is no eternity, no heaven, no hell, or any cosmic consequences to our actions because then we don't have to think deeply about it. It is not often our eternal security we need to worry about as believers, however, but it's rather our earthly faithfulness that we need to steward as we respond to the Spirit working in us. Okay? So we want to transition this idea that, that we are in a game. And our obedience within the game matters, and it matters forever. Right? All right. So, so, uh, so first, first thing, we're in a game. Second thing. All right, so probably many of you played games, you played sports or whatever. Um, let me ask you a question. What makes the game fun? You guys can answer this. All, you know, how, what makes the game fun? Winning. Okay, good. <laughs> Most people say, oh, yeah, it's winning. I mean, it's definitely better than the alternative, that's for sure. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few, like, kind of altruistic people that are like, oh, I just like playing the game. Well, that's good, you know, but I like winning, too. But when we think about this game, um, how do you know that you win? With a score, and how do you know the score determines the winner? Because sometimes the higher score wins, sometimes the lower score wins. The rules, okay? Now, how many of you are rule followers? Where's my rule followers? Okay, there's like six, okay, all right. Definitely the rule followers are most often the minorities, right? Or, you know, um, but the rules are really important. And a lot of times we don't like to talk about the rules, but the rules are the, actually the unseen construct that actually creates the thing that we enjoy. Okay, when you go back, so, all right, so go back to Little League just for a second, okay? You got the mob ball going on, all right? We, uh, we actually graduated from mob ball, now we're into t-ball, and we just had our first practice last week. And um, you know what the first thing they did? They, they said, hey, glad you're all here. Go run the bases. They didn't talk about the rules. They didn't talk about what position you're going to play. Go run the bases. Now, there's probably multiple reasons why they did that, right? Get some energy out. Make sure you're running in the right direction. You know, those are all important things. So as a believer, right, when we first give our hearts to Jesus, we're not going to have all of the rules, okay, just because we may not understand the fullness of the game yet, okay? But we don't want to keep playing Little League ball, right? So when they, so, so this, these five-year-olds, they barely know the game. They probably, some of them don't even know they're in a game, right? Um, so let alone the rules. They need to know how to, they need, they, they know what they need to know to play, Okay? Five-year-old soccer, all they need to know is which direction to kick the ball. And sometimes that's a struggle, all right? Okay? They know what they need to know. Um, and, when you, and so in practice, they start with some of the basics. They start with running, hitting, kicking. They don't spend a lot of time on the rules in Little League on, on purpose, okay? But let's talk about a second about the rules because the rules are really important. So, so the rules do some things for us. 
the rules, one of the things they do is they, they determine who wins. Okay? The rules, they design the game. The rules define how the game is played. The rules define the boundaries. The rules defines the gameplay or the action. The rules define the players and sometimes the responsibility of those players. And then from the rules, you can put together a strategy for practice. So understanding the rules become increasingly more important as you progress in the game, okay? Many people I have heard argued, they say, you know, Christianity is broken. It's out of date. It's a crutch for weak-minded people. You could probably insert your own uh, excuse that you have heard from people. And I would argue they simply don't know the rules. People have sometimes left the church because they're like, well, I don't like this, or I don't like that, or I don't want to do this, or I don't think we should do that. And well, What does the rules say? You know, scripture is our rule book. So how do we know the rules, right? Um, there's a scripture, a passage says it's Hebrews 5, 13, and 14. And this kind of describes our progression from Little League into a little more advanced ball. And I want to read this out loud with uh, with you, Hebrews 5, 13, and 14. And it says, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. And righteousness, you could just say, is, is good works and right living. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, practice, have trained themselves, practice, to distinguish good from evil. So that's why we're in this collection of messages about practicing obedience. Because when we practice obedience, it is not just simply bowing down to a dictatorial God saying, do this, and we say, okay. That's not how the kingdom works. There is a time for submission. But the scripture says that our maturity comes through constant use and training ourselves. Okay? So, uh, around here, you, if you have been here for a little while, you've probably heard the terms next steps. Okay? Next steps. We really like this idea of next steps because we understand from the rule book that when we are consistently taking next steps in obedience towards growth, we are going somewhere. It leads you to becoming a mature believer. Now, what is your next step? Like, because sometimes people are like, just tell me what to do. Well, I, I don't know. Because you are all unique people with unique callings in unique environments. I don't know what your next step is. I have some ideas, you know, maybe some places to start. Maybe it's deciding just to read the Bible every day. If you want to know the rules, just start, start reading. Eventually, it starts making a lot more sense. Maybe it's praying every day. Praying every day isn't, doesn't have to be like an hour ordeal. It can be, God, thank you for this food. It can be, thank you for getting to where I needed to go safely. Maybe it's, maybe some of you don't, uh, maybe you don't work in a, uh, in a Christian environment, okay? Maybe it's like, God, just help me not to cuss as much. Or, or maybe it's, help me to joke a little less about inappropriate things. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe it's taking a little more time with your family. This one's for me. 
Maybe not. Maybe it's limiting your social media intake and going to bed a little early to take care of your body. <laughs> Anybody else want to admit that? Okay. All right. Um, maybe it's leading your family in devotions at breakfast. And I put this in there because leading devotions at breakfast is a simple act. I use the, the Bible app. It's a free app on your phone with the kids. And I usually, there's a section in there for, for kids. It's a devotion for kids. You hit play and I hold the phone. Now, sometimes by the end, of, you know, and then there's a verse. And then we kind of talk, there's a couple questions, we talk about it. And that's, I mean, I don't want to romanticize this. Sometimes there's oatmeal and hair by the time we get done. I mean, it not, doesn't always just go super smooth, but it's about practicing those steps. Now, like I said, I can't tell you what your next step is, but nearly everyone that I talk to has an idea of what they can do. And if you have an idea of what you can do, but maybe you haven't taken that step yet, I would suggest to you, if it's biblical and it's good, it's probably the Holy Spirit nudging you to do that. I know there's some people that are like, I can't hear from God. I think we haven't trained ourselves to hear God. I think God speaks to us a lot more often than what we think he does. We just haven't recognized and learned his, trained ourselves to hear his voice. Now, thankfully, in the scriptures, he gave us two big rules. It's kind of the theme verse for this whole year. Mark 12, 29 to 31, and it says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So if we're looking for the big two rules, love God, love people. Almost all of our works, and I haven't done an exhaustive study on this, but almost all of the works that we're called to do probably falls into those two categories. Love God and love people. Remember the passage that uh, Pastor Matthew used last week. He said, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Practice uses our spiritual muscles when we step and walk in obedience. When we walk in obedience because we feel like we have to, we're kind of exercising the wrong muscle group. <laughs> Has anybody worked out and worked out incorrectly? <laughs> or watched the, well, that's a whole nother. There's some YouTube videos out there. If you want to see gym fails, that's a whole nother, whole nother thing. We can work out incorrectly, okay? Just like we can walk, if we're walking in obedience, but it's like, I guess I have to. We're probably not stretching the right spiritual muscles that we're called to do. The cool thing is the Holy Spirit helps us, right? The Holy Spirit breathes on our practices, which are our habits, routines, the disciplines, the boundaries that are taken from Scripture. And the Spirit will strengthen us to walk those things out. Now, if you don't know, if you're like, well, what is it? Okay, outside of love God and love people, are there some specifics? In the New Testament alone, there's over 1,000 commands. I am not going to read them for you today. <laughs> that would take a minute, all right? But if you're looking, if you're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to obey God. I, I, it's not going to take long to crack open the Bible and run across something. Just start there, right? It's, you know, it's just start with one thing. In Little League, they're usually working on one or two things. Sometimes it's running and kicking at the same time. Like that is sometimes a challenge for a five-year-old. Okay? 
when we're trying to move, remember, the whole goal of this is we want to grow in our maturity. So when we're trying to move from milk to meat as a believer, it's often the same way that you move from t-ball to baseball or any game, right? As you grow, as you become a better athlete, you start learning the game better. You start thinking about the game more. You start practicing the game on your own time. You're not waiting for the coach to call you and say, have you practiced yet? Have you done this? Like it becomes, it starts welling up within you and you start doing this yourself. See, it doesn't matter how great the preaching is, right? And we have a great preacher. He'll be back soon. <laughs> if, it, it doesn't matter how great the preaching is, but if you're only living on 25 or 30 minutes a week, that's not going to get you where you want to go. All right? Now, some of you are like, wait, wait a minute. Where, are we going somewhere? What, is this, what does this mean? What does this look like? Right? It's easy to see the transition from t-ball to baseball. Right? You, we could probably make a list, and it would be really easy to, to mark those things down. It's a little more difficult. Like, what does it mean to go from immaturity to maturity? In baseball, you know, it's easy to see, um, you know, there's, there's actually some handsome payoffs at each level when you're going from t-ball to baseball, right? You can see that, um, you can see that they graduate, you know, into, as they progress in. But as a believer, if I say, hey, we're going to practice really hard, we're going to work really hard, and you're like, what's the, what's the, what do I get out of it? We're going to be a better Christian. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody, anybody ever say, I'd just like to be a better Christian. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that looks like, right? But sometimes people say, oh, I'm not a very good Christian or I'm not. Listen, the Bible says that none of us are good. Our goodness only comes from Jesus who redeems us. I don't believe that there's good Christians and bad Christians. There's those who are immature in their walk with Christ. They're on their way to maturity. Okay? Hear me. There's no bad Christians there's not really good Christians. We're all bad, but Jesus has come to redeem us, and we are going somewhere, okay? All right, so we've talked about the game. We've talked about the rules. Now I want to talk, to, talk about the reward, okay? Because, I mean, that's the legit question. What's in it for me? Why should I read the Bible? Why should I pray? Like, why, why should I? And these are valid questions, Valid questions. These aren't rebellious questions, by the way. Sometimes immaturity and rebellion can look really similar. And we need to be gentle with the immature as they are on their process in growing into maturity. So, all right. So back to literally. What's the reward? All right. Think back to those five-year-olds running around. Okay. Is it great stats? Man, I got, some, I got some assists. I got some scores. Is that the reward? Is it lots of playing time? Our team won, which we don't keep score, but we, we did have an unde undefeated season, in case anybody. <laughs> the reward for, for Little League is probably the snacks at the end of the game, right? <laughs> yeah. He's like, yes, sir. 
That's right. I get to have sugar because mom and dad won't let me have any at home. For the high school team, it's, it may be bragging rights. For the college player, the reward might be another scholarship or another year of eligibility or another, uh, a better school is offering them a position. For the pro player, it is a stout paycheck. <laughs> now, the, the interesting thing is, um, are these athletes who have a clear reward, are they following the rules out of submission? Or are they following the rules because they realize by understanding the, ru the rules, the reward is greater? I have never... I've never had an athlete sit in my office and complain about the rules. Now, they complain about a lot of other things like practice and getting up early and all of those things, right? But they don't complain about the rules because they understand there's a reason, there's a reward, there's motivation to do this. And sometimes as believers, remember why we started off with we're in a game. There are stakes at the end of this because a lot of, okay, I'll keep going. All right. Did you know the, do you know what the reward is for practicing obedience? Now, some believers might say, oh, eternal life. Well, you could argue that return, eternal life is a reward, but it's, but, but it's not because it's a gift. You can't earn eternal life. You can't earn salvation. Jesus did that work. When we receive that, that work is done in us. We cannot do that work. That is one work that is we can't do. We don't have the capacity. We're not God. But then he said, if you will receive this, I have a lot of works for you to do, and I will take care of you. Now, the, the rewards, okay. So undoubtedly, there are some great rewards that we will experience here on the earth, right? Okay, I know that we have heard testimonies like, People being delivered from addiction, renewing or increasing passion in their marriage, developing a greater patience with our children. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Here's my oldest sitting over there. If I can keep his attention, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> We've heard testimony of miraculous healings, financial provision, a greater capacity to love our family, friends, and neighbors, a greater capacity to love and worship our Creator, a greater revelation when we're reading the Bible, a greater conviction of our sins that leads us into deep repentance that transforms our lives. So we know that following the rules, there's some rewards, but some of those are, some of those are really tangible, but some of those are, are not. In 1 Timothy 4.8, Scripture tells us physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promises for both the present life, which we just talked about, and the life to come. What about these eternal rewards? All right? A lot of times we don't think about these eternal rewards. And uh, I want to read a scripture, Hebrews eleven six. 6. It says, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. See, this is a really interesting thought. That we need to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Okay, did you know the work that we are called to do comes with the payoff beyond this life? You know that phrase that says you can't take it with you? 
You know, you're talking about, well, you can't take it with you. Might as well not worry about it. Well, technically, Scripture says we are going to take some things with us. I want to read through this passage. Look this up with me because I'm going to go through it quickly. It's 1 Corinthians 3, 8 through 15. It says, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We've talked about that, right? All of our strength and our, our everything comes from Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. And if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though is only one escaping through the flames. This is a an intense passage, because a lot of times we don't hear, <laughs> you don't hear a lot of preaching about, hey, there's some things, but if you mess up, you're going to suffer loss. But isn't God so good that he clearly lays out his expectations, right? So let's kind of debrief that passage. One, rewards are according to your labor. Your works, the works that you have been called to do, which, by the way, the works that God strengthens you to do. Two, now this is crazy. You are God's field, God's building. When you practice obedience, God is allowed, you're allowing God to build the kingdom inside of you, which you in turn build the kingdom on the earth. Isn't that crazy? Like, I don't know about you, but that's like, okay. It's, just, it's, it's hard. I don't know even how to articulate it anymore, but it's, in, it's just as amazing that God chooses to partner with us. He's not asking us to obey because he wants us to follow directions. It's way bigger than that. He's saying, I want to invite you into obedience because this obedience, you're going to want to do it. Number, the fourth thing, oh, number three, the foundation is Jesus, remember, is our source of obedience. And number four, it says, or out of that passage, it says, if you put your faith in Jesus, but you aren't practicing obedience on the day, the day will bring it to light, right? There's a lot of people I know, they're like, man, I am saved. I've got my fire insurance. I've got my rapture seatbelt plugged in, and I'm ready. And they're just waiting. And God's like, well, okay, you, you may come in, but the scripture says that we will, we will suffer loss if our works are burned up. Now, I don't know what that means, but when the Bible says that I believe it, right? We don't know what those, like, we will live for eternity in heaven, but it says that we'll suffer loss. Now, the good news is, is that this is the only passage that I know that talks about our works being burned up, and because of that, it will suffer loss. 
There's over 20 passages in the New Testament that talks about if you walk out the works that God has for you, you will get a reward in eternity. Which is awesome. So the focus in Scripture, to kind of wrap this up, the focus in Scripture is there's stuff to do. Okay, that's my interpretation. There's stuff to do. We all have, we've got things to do. And the stuff we're doing is a result of what God is doing in our own heart. And God invites us to participate in the creation on the earth. How cool is that? And when we practice this obedience, there is a reward. Now, at the start of this message, I ask you, you know, how many of you like bristle when you're like, you need to obey? You need to obey God. Trust and obey for there's no other. You know, like, like, yeah, but. For the Christian believer, the, the practice of obedience is so much more than just following blindly a bunch of rules. And yes, as immature believers, we do submit our will. We train our flesh to come into alignment with the things of the spirit. But let's not stop there. Let's not stop it, you know, at the, I'm going you know, to, going to walk in this, but let's come into a place of agreement, of leaning into the kingdom of God. Thank you for all that I get to do. This is an invitation to build a kingdom that's not fully seen yet, but a kingdom that is coming. Obedience is an invitation to love, to be loved, to serve to be free, to grow, and be rewarded. So it makes a little more sense now why God says, I need you to obey. And when you understand the why you obey, you find the strength to obey. Because then it becomes not a, I don't want to, but I will. But it becomes a, I understand, and I want to. Right? One of the things that Jesus asks us to do is to remember him every time we take communion. So if you grab your, your communion things, and if you want to go ahead and open them up, get all the little cracklings out of the way. Jesus said, when you do this, remember me, think of me, pause, and think about what, what I have done. This is one of our practices. This is one of our practices of obedience. And when we do this, we are building something inside of us. This isn't just, I don't ever want anything that we do here just to come like, oh, well, it's time for that. Okay, now we do this and we do this and we do this and then we go home. Like, like, let us be careful not to think that, oh, this is just a part of the service where we hear all the crinklies and we do the, you know, the thing. Right? Every time we do this, it's creating something in us. It's doing something in us. So as we think about this, think, just close your eyes just for a minute. I want to just say, invite you to uh, just ask the Father, is there any areas, anything that I need to take a next step in? As we remember what Jesus did for us.
God is so good to, to speak to us, to teach us through his word, teach us through his spirit. Father, we thank you for what Jesus did. We thank you that without your plan, there's no way that we would have eternity with you. There's no way that we would even have the option to obey. And right now we do. We thank you. So would you take this, take the bread with me. And let's take the juice. Father, we thank you that you, that you are so good to us, that you speak so clearly and plainly to us through your word. We thank you for our family here today. We thank you for the church. We thank you that the church was your idea. It was your mode. It was your way to build the kingdom of God on the earth. We thank you that we get to participate. Father, I pray as we leave here today that our spirits are strengthened as we choose to take great next steps towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.